Welcome to Back to the Point. I'm your host, Rick Goulding from BC High's class of 2004. And on the pod today, we have Principal Steve Hughes. If you're listening to this podcast, he probably doesn't need much of an introduction. Uh, he's been at the school for 40 some odd years, uh, first as a student, then as a coach and teacher, then as a vice principal and as a principal. And we really were able to kind of step back and look back over the entire arc of his BC High story and celebrate a lot of it and talk about leadership and the lessons that he's learned, the advice he would give to his successor, um, some of the highlights of his of his time at BC High. Um, it was great. I, I had a blast talking to him, and um, I, I think you'll enjoy it too. Before we get to that, though, just wanted to touch on some quick housekeeping. So first of all, as you may have noticed, we bumped our schedule a little bit for the holiday week. We, we did this kind of unexpectedly, so apologies if you were expecting a pod before the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. But we're going to make it up to you, I promise. So today, uh, which is a Wednesday, we're obviously publishing this podcast with Mr. Hughes. And then on Tuesday, December 4th, I think it is, uh, next Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, we're going to put up another podcast with Tucker Antico from the class of 2015, who's a meteorologist slash storm chaser. And we're going to put that up on Tuesday so that you can, you can listen to that. So we're giving you, we're giving you two pods back to back kind of, uh, to make up for the little, uh, the little hiatus we took for the holiday. So there's a pod today and a pod on Tuesday. And then from there, we'll be back on track with our every two weeks, um, a podcast on Tuesdays, uh, from there on out. So, um, yeah, we'll be back on track after that. Uh, second, if you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud to Back to the Point. Just want to make sure everybody subscribes so you, that you know when a new podcast is posted. Uh, third, please keep sending your feedback. We've heard from some of you. Um, we want to keep hearing from as many of you as possible. We want to know what's working, what could be better. Uh, we are always open to suggestions on topics and guests. Um, so please send us every, anything and everything you have. We want to hear from you. Like I've said before, I know that I sound like a broken record, but I'm going to keep saying it. Just send us your feedback. Uh, back to the point at bchigh.edu is our email address. We're on Twitter at bchigh, um, at bchigheagles on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at, at rickgoulding3. Send it all. And we just want to hear from you guys. We want to make this something that uh, you're excited about and engaged with. So keep it coming. And I actually wanted to give a special shout out to two. Uh, to two people who reached out and shared some thoughts that they had on the podcast. So the first is Dante Canarazzi. Uh, Canarazzi. Um, I, apologies if I didn't say your last name correctly. From the class of 1997, Dante was good enough to email us at um, back to the point at bci.edu, and he shared some of his thoughts about the podcast. So Dante, if you're listening, thank you very very much. Um, I also wanted to give a shout out to Mary O'Brien Merrigan, PhD, who has uh, boys in the class of 2014, the classes, I should say, of 2014, 2016. And then two of her boys are actually going to graduate in May with the class of 2019. Um, and she went so far as to rate us and review us on iTunes. So I am very happy to announce that with one review, we are officially a five-star podcast. Um, that's pretty cool. So, uh, Mary O'Brien Merrigan, if you're listening, thank you very, very much for doing that. It's much appreciated. Um, so, like I said, email us, tweet at us, send us messages on the gram, whatever, whatever, however you want to get in touch with us, feel free to do it. Um, we want to hear from you. Uh, that's it. That's it for housekeeping. So, let's get to Mr. Hughes. Here we go. Uh, we are here in the third floor of Loyola, uh, early morning, a couple days before Thanksgiving actually, and we have the great fortune of being able to sit down with uh, Principal Steve Hughes. Good morning, Mr. Hughes. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to have the opportunity to sit down with you. You recently announced that you'll be retiring. 
Stepping down as principal, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, I wanted to be able to have the chance to sit down with you and just kind of uh, hear your BC High story. So you first stepped foot on campus the fall of 1969, is that right? Well, I've been on campus before that. Oh, you did? Okay. So my, why well, in the sense, my older brothers both came to BC High. So gotcha. I was around campus you know, when we came over to pick him up from work, uh, from BC, you know, from school. So I think, and I had an uncle that was a Jesuit. Mm. Um, he was stationed in uh, Japan, but uh, he certainly had an impact on all of our lives. Six of the seven boys came here to BC High. It, it was kind of a, a foregone conclusion. It was never any oh, really? doubt in my mind. <laughs> it wasn't even, it wasn't a discussion at all. Really? Just assumed we were going to BCI. My older brother did, and then um, my next older brother did, and and I came. So how, how did do you, if you can recall, how did your um, your parents kind of make the decision to send your oldest brother? Like, well, do you remember any of that? Well, he he's he's seven years older than I am, mm-hmm. six years older than I am. I, I really I. I it was in the air that we breathed, really. It, it wasn't. My mother um, was a nurse um, mm. during World War Two, World War Two, and, and after, and she um, was uh, at City Hospital, the old City Hospital, and Jesuits would come in um, and do their. Um, uh, I guess today would we'd call it their experiment. They would they would be in. Um, you know, work in the hospital, um, and she got to meet many of those guys, and and they became uh, my parents, and you know because my uncle was a Jesuit, mm-hmm. they got you know got to be friendly with those those Jesuits, and so when I was a child, it would not be unusual on a Saturday morning for two or three Jesuits to stop by the house for coffee and um, a little bit of. Uh, coffee cake or something, mm-hmm. you know, chat with my parents. Uh, so we were very used to them. And then, as I say, my oldest brother came came here and we, you know, we'd come over to watch him play football or to, you know, to uh, pick him up after school. So it, it just was always the place you're going to be. Now, the first, you know, awareness is it. Both of my older brothers worked in the Jesuit kitchen. In those mm. days, there were 60 or so Jesuits living in uh, Loyola Hall. And, um, you know, they had a dining hall for the for those Jesuits. And there'd probably be eight or ten students working in, in the um, Jesuit residence trying to pay their tuition and whatnot. So um, I would... My brothers told me about this place where they went to work at BC High, and that they they had they they could have bacon for breakfast and uh, <laughs> hot chocolate anytime they wanted. <laughs> I thought this can't possibly be true. Um, that's what you get at Christmas. You know? Yeah. But, so um, in the summer of eighth grade, I started following my brother John over to over to school here at 5.30 in the morning hmm. um, to see if this place really existed where <laughs> you could have hot chocolate and real uh, real milk and whatnot. So um, followed them over. I remember first day following, them, following my brother John over. And because he was the older brother, I had to walk like 10 paces behind. <laughs> so, so I walked into the kitchen and brother Finn was there and... Uh, he, as we came in the door, he kind of greeted us in, in his own way. Um, he, he, you know, my brother immediately put on his apron and went to work, and he, brother turned to me, I can still remember, plain as day, what are you doing here, he says. <laughs> <laughs> and being, you know, a young child, I said, I, I heard there was bacon. <laughs> And, I'm uh, here for the bacon. <laughs> he said, he said, come on in, sit down. And he he and uh, Bill McKenzie, who was the, the chef, um, fed me like I was a king. It was great. Oh, that's awesome. And so I started following my brother over morning after morning. 
And um, after that, uh, after I, you know, going, you know, dropping in for about a month or two, they put me to work, you know, figuring, well, I was going to come to BCI anyways. So, mm-hmm. so I started working there in the kitchen and uh, even before I started as a student. But that fall, I started up as a student. Gotcha. Um, uh, which is great. Um, that's how I originally came to BC High. You know, as yeah. a young kid, I worked all the way, all, all four years. I worked my way through the um, through school in the kitchen. In the kitchen, gotcha. You know? So you'd have the the morning shift, which was from five thirty to eight thirty, mm. and then the afternoon shift, which was from uh, four to seven, seven thirty. Um, you, you know. Uh, was lucky enough to play football, so I didn't have to work in the fall, which was kind of a big bonus. You know? Yeah. But yeah, that's that's what it it was good. And brother brother Finn, who was who, who was in charge of the kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, was he he was kind of um, he he could sound a little short, but he was very he was very good to us and um, uh, you know try to help us out as much as he could, you know. Um, but it was it was a great group of guys. Some of us still keep in touch. And, That's good. Uh, that, that worked on the kitchen. So you know, I had a very um, uh, average um, uh, academic experience here. I, you know, certainly wasn't anything to write home about. And uh, <laughs> um, but solid. And um, you know, I really I I. I I had that um, that ability of uh, a lot of middle adolescents just to go along with what was happening. Yeah, and I enjoyed it, so it was good. And uh, so um, after BC High, I, went, I attended the University of Massachusetts next door. Mm-hmm. Um, had a great experience there. Great teachers. Um, and as as I was taking classes over there, uh, I walked by BCI almost every day. And at at some point in my senior year at the university, um, Jim Carter asked me if I'd like to do some uh, if I could help out by uh, taping ankles or whatnot. I said, sure, we'll we'll do that. And then. Shortly thereafter, was an uh, opening in, um, in coaching, uh, mm-hmm. freshman football. So mm-hmm. he asked me if I wanted to do that, and I did. And um, as I graduated from the, from the university, um, um, Tom Gibbons, who was the principal, called me, and I'm sure it was after Jimmy's urging. Um, and asked me if I thought about a career in education and what I'd be interested in. I went in and talked with him, and uh, he was good enough to hire me for that fall mm. teach um, in the humanities program, which I did. Um, and, you know, and here it is 41 years later. And, uh, <laughs> um, there's a lot of space in between. So, so you know, I taught and coached for 22 years. Mm. Uh, In 2000, I became vice principal. Mm. And 2002, I became principal. Mm. Um, And so I think that's around 16 or so years, 17 years as principal and two as vice principal. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. What I want to just go back to... um, your time here as a student what are some things that stand like what are some of the most more indelible memories that you have of your time here what stands out when you kind of think back to those four years oh you know I I think it's the people I you know we there was still a good number of Jesuits here and so you know a lot of characters in that group Um, (laughs) and I mean that in the most loving of ways they're great guys of course um um, they were really kind to us. A lot of times, you know, I think um, 
you know, I, I, a lot of it, you know, in the kitchen, we, we would be in there and, and uh, you know, working. And around this time of year, a little as the holidays came up, every once in a while, Father Moriarty would get a bunch of us together to go into a, a, a li- the Jesuit library, which had a piano, and he'd play Christmas songs and get us to sing along with them and stuff like that. I can remember that. Uh, and, of course, you know, football was... You know, it was big. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really enjoyed that and had a lot of made great friends. And still see each other and um, and of course to play for for Jim um, was really a treat. Um, he grew up in the same neighborhood I grew up in 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 Savin Hill in St. Williams Parish, and uh, he was you know very very well respected. You know. I, I can remember saying to my father that um, hey, I think I'm going to teach at teach at BCI, and he said, "Yeah, yes." He said, "Well, that's good." He said, "But look, teaching is different. You know, you have to be dedicated. You ha- you have to be like Jimmy Carter. You don't. It, it's not a job you can just sit back on. You know." And he he was a guy he, he had no experience teaching, but mm. it was profound insight. You mm-hmm. know, um, I, and I think of that, I've thought of that a lot over the years, you know. Um, you know, you should, if you're going to get into teaching, you, you ought to be dedicated mm-hmm. because there's no other motivation, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, other than, you know, seeing kids do well. Oh, of course. You know? um, so, so, great role models and between my father and my brothers and people like Jimmy and you know there's certainly um, a lot of great teachers uh, Father O'Neill and Father Cuniff oh man (laughs) he was he was a great teacher but you had to work (laughs) there was no other option you know yeah I had Father Muldoon for math he was a great guy he had been dean of students just before that and had just stepped down from that office and went back into teaching math, and uh, I can still, I can still hear him say, "Mr. Hughes, there'll be tough sledding in summer school." Let's <laughs> 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 oh, hmm. get that homework done. <laughs> had a nice way of putting things. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It was great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, so. Yeah, it's, you know, I don't know what else to tell you. But. No, that's great. It, what about when you came back um, as a teacher What are and as a coach? What are some of um, your more indelible memories from that time? And also, I'd love to know if there are any kind of lessons that stand out from that time, things that you learned along the way that really kind of stuck with you and shape your kind of uh, your approach to things today. Yeah, I think... You certainly, you know, over the years, um, you, you get a better grasp, I think, of what's important, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and you can kind of strip away the the rest of it. And I think that what I've learned over the years is that um, kindness is what's important, you know, um, that when I look back at the lessons I learned, they were very often shaped by somebody else's kindness. Somebody took a little bit of time out and recognized my humanity and supported, you know, said the things that you needed to hear to to grow. Hmm. But most of all, they were kind, you know, and I think as I get older in the profession, I think, yeah, that's that's the important part. Yeah, um, I don't think we learn from meanness. Uh, I don't think that um, you know intimidation is 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 good. And I think um, I think we you know we learn that in education over that over at times. But but it's also you know, in my in my own experience, I think, yeah, it's I, 
the only thing I learned from from intimidation was meanness, mm. you know. And so I think that being kind, recognizing students' humanity, and, you know, that they're complicated entities, that mm. it is where the way you make an impact. It's not a complicated formula. No. But some days it's really hard to do. No. <laughs> Understood, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know if that answered No, no, that's great. And, and I, I think that is a, just a very great way of putting it. Are there any particular accomplishments from your time as a teacher uh, and or a coach that stand out um, in your memory as is something that you're particularly proud of? I don't, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> accomplishments. But I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret in, in, in um, coaching. Um, I started on the staff, football staff at mm-hmm. BC High the mm-hmm. year after they won the 77 Super Bowl. Got it. Okay, and I uh, left coaching the year before they won um, – what is it, the 98 Super Bowl? I think that's somewhere. Got it. <laughs> okay, so the best thing I did for BCI football was to retire. <laughs> um, so that's probably my biggest accomplishment in football. Got it. <laughs> Got out of it. Yeah. Did them the favor. Um, uh, no, it's, it's all, you know, it, sadly at my age, they, the, the kids... It's 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 about the kids, you know. It was always about them, and it, it's trying to get them to believe in themselves and have confidence and to be good, and you know, to have the, all the right values, right? Mm. Um, you know, the you know, to be humble, to be you know, sportsmanship, to be good sports, to, you know, to to behave the way they're supposed to behave. Mm-hmm. Right? Play play hard, but. Mm-hmm. But you know, have the right values, and mm-hmm. and I, I don't know how you list those as accomplishments. You know, they're there. I think our job is to try to cultivate them, uncover them, and you know, and and then and then hold kids to that. And very often, I think this is much better today than when I was coaching. Is to model the behavior that we expect from kids. You mm-hmm. know, it's hard to tell them or to get them to believe. You know, hey. If if if, um, if if our behavior isn't what it should be, it's hard to get them to believe mm-hmm. that you know that this is the right way to. I mean, so so very, you know, I don't think it's as as much a, a list of accomplishments as as it is, um, you you seeing young people graduate, you know, with you know what I often say with the with the understanding of what's what's right and what's wrong and then the courage to behave mm-hmm. you know in the way that you should and you know I think you know in, in education and coaching you know we we plant trees under under whose shade we will never sit right um, and so you know that's very true in education that it's 20 years 30 years 40 years later you, you, you wonder, hey, did, did I do a good job? Um, uh, and so nobody cares about the X's and O's, really. We make it up after a few years anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a 70-yard run. It was a three-yard run. <laughs> gotcha. But, you know, but character will last, you know, forever. Yeah. And... And so if we had, if I had any small part in helping a young person to be better, mm. you know, to, to, to try to do good things, and that, hey, that's, that's a pretty good life, you know? If, you know, even if it were only one or two, yeah. you hope for a little more, but, you know, really, if you can just try to provide that environment you know, then I think that's that's success. Gotcha. So you talked a little bit earlier about 
when you went from being a teacher and coach up to um, vice principal. Right. What? How did that come about? And what was what was your kind of deliberation process to kind of decide to move into that role? Go over to the dark side, as my wife would call. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I okay. Why? I um, here's what. Um, uh, I did a lot of complaining, right? <laughs> and um, I, to, I don't see that. <laughs> well, to the administration, I, I we get frustrated because you know things weren't happening fast enough. Mm. You know, I'm an impatient young guy. You know, it's, it's a young man's disease. It's not <laughs> not fatal, thankfully. But I was impatient, and so you know, would would um, was not hesitant to express my. Um, my beliefs, you know, and, and um, you know, people like Tom Gibbons, uh, you know, who are great and, and a great guy, and really t- to a lot of administrators, hey, I think we can do this better, I think you can do that better. Um, and, and I think one of, the, I think for me, was in, in those days, we would lose a significant number of students between freshman year and the end of sophomore year. Really? We would lose in the vicinity of um, 20% of them. Wow. Um, and that, uh, ballpark figure, but it's pretty sure. good. But that, you know, that was, in a sense, the way, what we knew how to teach, right? We, we, we essentially sorted kids out. We said, mm. those kids are really smart. Those kids are kind of smart. These kids over here, mm, they're okay. And th- those guys, they're no good. They got to go. Mm. And so we didn't do as much teaching as we did sorting, mm. you know, which was in some ways driven by higher ed, right? They wanted to know, and still do, who were those, you know, real high-achieving kids. Yep. So we did a lot of sorting for them. Mm. And I think in my time as a teaching it was. It wasn't just me. That teaching began to shift dramatically, and it was. Um, we we began to to understand why students weren't effect learning effectively. You mm-hmm. know, uh, we weren't teaching effectively, and they weren't learning as well as they might. And and um, we were learning. You know, hey, w- the whole uh, neurodevelopmental. Um, stuff that we, we we didn't know when I when I first started teaching we were taught brain stops growing at age 18 thereabouts there's no more change that's completely gone mm-hmm. you know we know so much more about how kids learn and you know we, we, we have we still have the expectation that if you're 14 you're going to be at this place developmentally and at 16 you're going to be at this place developmentally and we know everybody doesn't grow at the same rate mm-hmm. everybody you know some kids you know their physical growth for example we know that hey you know a lot of them some of them be six foot one and deep th- deep voiced and everything and and, and other guy and they'll have be like that in the ninth grade and mm-hmm. some guys wouldn't have hit puberty and by the time they graduate Right, so right. why why do we expect expect that the neurodevelopmental patterns are going to be uniform? Right, it's like they're like <laughs> bottles of wine. Right, they stamp them on. You yeah, know. yeah. But that doesn't make sense. So we need to, you know, it it doesn't make sense academically, you know, but it you know makes sense organizationally. So, but what we need to do is is make our instruction such that the, a variety of students can. We want all students to have access to the curriculum, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it takes you know you, you have to explain things in multiple ways, so you make sure you get all the students, mm-hmm. right? We we never used to do that. Mm-hmm. It's a huge change. You know, we know more about um, kind of non-cognitive issues um, that keep kids from learning. Very often, things like um, uh, depression. Um, you know, we it, it, that's a serious problem for um, adolescents. Now, that, that it could have been that that was the case all the time for the last 40 years, but we're only recognizing in the past 20 or so. Mm-hmm. But that's very important, right? If we know, sure. you know, and it's and it's a hard one too for teachers, right? Because depression looks looks like when it manifests itself in a student, it looks like I don't care. Right, right, and he cares deeply, but 
he's struggling. Sure. Right? Um, so, you know, we we need to stop. What, what the biggest change in my time and and why when why I went into administration was to 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 say, hey, we can help all these kids. Now it's made education really complex, mm. um, and and teachers, it's a hard job, mm-hmm. um, but we're we're much better at it. You know, we're much much better, and um, uh, and 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 now the information on on, on how people learn is greater and greater. And, it's complicated too by technology, and some of the technology is great because it gives access to more students, access to the curriculum, and some of it just a it, it it's a distraction, you know, for other students. Mm-hmm. So we have to figure that out, and we we don't have the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Nobody's got that. But the, as a profession, I think the the dramatic change of um, uh, you know we, we look to. We say to ourselves, okay, we can teach a 14 or 15-year-old, right? Mm-hmm. No matter what the problem was, you know. Um, so I think, you know, culturally, that, that's been a huge, huge gotcha. shift. One quick example. A few years ago, we had a blind student mm. um, graduate from BC High. Um, great great kid and and we had to adapt sure using technology and you know teachers had to vary how they presented things and of course the student himself was just great but that was good for us because it stretched us it made us teach a wider variety of of students and think to say okay if we could teach this guy Mm. who can't we teach you know there's a lot wide spectrum so I think that's been that shift in education has been um, probably the most significant and you know I think it it matches up very well with who we say we are Mm. you know you know Jesuit Catholic um, young men of competence and, and compassion that fits, you know, a broader, more diverse community, diverse learners um, should go with that. And that enriches all of us, mm-hmm. you know. So so I think it's probably the most significant change. Gotcha. <clears throat> so it sounds like you were, as a teacher, you were kind of at the forefront of trying to push some of this um, better understanding into, into education. Well, it's very, yeah, I mean, it's, I... I, I more specifically as, as, you know, I would complain about these things. Yeah. One of the things that I noticed was that um, um, uh, you know, students who I thought were very bright were not doing well, and I was trying to figure out why that was. So I started taking courses out of BC. At first I started taking them um, in um, special ed because I thought th- those people really know how to teach, right? Mm. It, teaching, you know, special needs kids. So I, I took a, a handful of those courses and um, had some great instructors. And then I didn't have the answers. You know, I employed a lot of those strategies, and they were working, you know, somewhat in, individually, and it, it, you know, it, here at school. Um, but it wasn't, it, it was, the, you know, a handful of kids here and a handful of kids there. And then... So we want, you know, then um, uh, we, uh, I thought to myself, okay, how do we make this broader impact? And so I started taking courses in curriculum instruction. So, mm-hmm. so and, and that, that was helpful, but it didn't, I, I, it's, I didn't have my hand on the lever of, how, of change, right? And so um, finally I went and took an uh, Administrative uh, school leadership courses to see how you affect change in a in a school community, um, and uh, so um, 
then after all my complaining, they said, okay, good luck to you. <laughs> um, so um, Bill Kameza had become principal, and he, um, after I think much thought, uh, he asked me to come in as a vice principal, mm -hmm. which I did for two years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then I, he became president, and I became principal. Mm -hmm. So... Um, uh, you know, I don't know how well I've done. You know, that's well, you know, and and really, I I don't I don't want to make it like I've done it. I mean, I, certainly, it's really the faculty, right? Um, uh, very, we have very very thoughtful, um, hardworking, smart um, uh, faculty, and. Um, Uh, and that and that's good because it makes you stay on your toes. It you know, makes it makes you better um, administrator. Um, you get people who are passionate about what they do. Um, yeah. So I got the job, and they said, "Let's see you do it for a while." <laughs> Here I am. Yeah. Fifteen, sixteen—I don't know how many years later, but uh, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot, you the, know. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, there we are. When you took the position as vice principal first and then principal, when once you got, as you called it, to the dark side, <laughs> was there anything that stood out that you thought, "Whoa, okay, I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't think of this, or I didn't see this coming"? Yeah, every day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, here's the thing: um, you you have. 1,500 variables out there, right? The yes. Yeah. yeah, the kids, yeah. Right? And they each come with parents. And, um, and, and, um, and then you have, you know, faculty and staff, another 200. That's a lot of variables. Yeah. And they're human variables. Right. So the most variable kind of variables. That's right. <laughs> it's always sh shifting and yeah, changing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, every day. Every day is a surprise. Every day is, um, you know, there's, uh, I often uh, uh, will talk to the, when talking to the vice principals, I'm saying, okay, I'm looking for an uneventful week. Okay? Yeah. Let's see if we can have that. Right. But it's, it, it's. Never happens. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't yeah. happen. Sure. Um, you know, the human condition is such that this. You know, it's it's always it's all, every everyone is unique. Yeah. You know, um, in their own way. So um, certainly, you know, that I, I think over the years, I I think the biggest change or the hard hard to see coming is uh, the technology. Mm. Um, it's uh, we don't have the answers to it. Mm. Um, we know it can be a great tool, mm -hmm. um, but we also know that it can be um, a terrible distraction to young people of this age group, especially sure. with social media. Yep. It's like yep. um, they, for years, even when we were in our adolescence, when we were in high school, we had we were driven by the same kind of you know you, you want to be acceptable to your peers you want you want to impress them you're pushing away from your parents it's autonomy yeah. um, it's identity yeah the things that you're working on that hasn't changed kids are still kids in fact you know people would you know ask me aren't kids different these days you know and us you know like and the implication being that they're not as good as they were. They're better than certainly my group, you know. Mm -hmm. um, they know more about themselves. They, they're more reflective. They're, they're, they're kinder. They're, I, I think all those things. But they face a harder world. It's a much more difficult world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the iPhones, it, it has as much computing power as the Apollo rocket. Right? <laughs> what adolescent needs that kind of power <laughs> in his pocket, right? Uh, so, 
and, and they struggle with it, especially with social sure. media and, and what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, how do we, you know, where's the responsibility lie? Um, that's, you know, that's, that's one that, you know, we won't settle. And, you know, we'll, we'll figure out ways to deal with it, you know, as we, we ask the boys to put their phones in their locker, leave them in there for the day. Mm. Um, but it's hard for them. Yeah. You know, that's a, um, you're asking them to kind of distance from their friends. Yeah. But it's hard. You know, it's when, again, when I was young, you're, you're much younger than I, we, we would, you know, go home with our friends either on the train or walk home sure. or whatever. And when we got home, we had a break from our friends, right? So we had right. 10 hours or so that, you know, um, you didn't have to deal with, with that. Yeah. Today, it's 24 hours, seven days a week. That's um, a good point. It's exhausting. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just, you know, uh, for kids. They just, sure. You know, and then, you know, they don't want to miss anything. Yeah, no, know? right. Um, FOMO, fear of missing out. Right? Yeah. 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 So that's, uh, you know, it's not the only challenge we face, but certainly is a big one. Yeah. You know, and I think, um, and, and every day takes, you know, there's some new app that, uh, it, I, right. it, it's unfathomable to me that, uh, you know, they, they just to give you a quick example, somebody put out an app that looks just like the calculator. Yeah. Right? Function yeah. and uh, app on that. Yeah. Except if you put in the right number sequence, yeah. it, it opens to a secret room. So you can put things in there. Oh. Okay. That cannot be good for any else. <laughs> okay. That yeah. whole notion. Yeah. Just that, you know, because yeah. now they feel like, well, I've got to fill that. Sure, right? sure, sure. Yeah. If I'm going to be cool. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. That's just not helping. I gotcha. You know? So lots, lot, lot changes. Um, uh, but yeah. So the fall of 2000 is the first time that our stories interact because it's the first time that I walked onto campus. Oh, okay. And I, I, the first memory I have of you is at one of the, you know, freshman, uh, intake kind of ceremonies or assemblies, yeah. I guess you would call it. And I, at first I remember being absolutely terrified of you, oh. but, but. What I quickly see that I used to scare somebody. No, no. <laughs> I was we, me and all my friends. I told I texted with a bunch of them and I told them that I was sitting down with you and they were like, "Oh my God, I used to be so scared of Mister Hughes." And oh, pretty uh, easygoing guy. No, well, so but that's what we learned pretty quickly is that you when you walked in here today, you talked about just keeping everything calm. Yeah, and that was kind of your, your approach to things was just you you know you wanted to keep everything calm. Um, and uh, we all we all ended up really enjoying having you around and really respecting you and um, over our time here. Um, and by the way, the, collectively, I would say many members of the class of 2004 send their best to you. Oh, that was very good. Um, but one of the one of the memories that I have of you, one of the more indelible memories that I have of you from my time here on campus, actually happened on September 11th. Oh, yeah. And. What I remember about that day, obviously just an awful day, um, is that day and the days following it, I just rem I remember how present you were consistently. Sure. With, you were with the students. You were, uh, you were walking the lunchroom and stopping at tables. You were uh, making the rounds in the library. Um, I I, I was always really moved by that, and it's something that really stuck with sure. me. I just wanted, I, I was hoping that maybe as that is, using that as an example, if you could talk a little bit about your approach to leadership, and, and more in particular, maybe even your approach to leadership in a crisis, because that, that was, like I said, that was something that really had an impact on me, and I always wanted to ask you about it. So here we are, and I figured. Give it a shot. I, I, I believe very much in servant leadership. I think that's consistent with scripture. I think it's, you know, best kind of leadership. Um, and, and especially at a place like this where you have very talented, hardworking people, my job should be to 
try to help them be the very best that they can and whatever that takes, you know, so creating order, efficiencies, whatever. Very often it is being present um, so that, you know, you, you, you get a lot more information by being present. And, you know, a lot of people are never going to come to the principal's office, you know, for many reasons, you know, especially in students, less even less inclined to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important to get out and get to where they are. It's it's important for a number. It's important to validate what's good and to be able to to see and try to uh, mitigate what's what needs support. Um, uh, it it's 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 important, as you say, you know, especially in times of stress, and, and that certainly was one. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, to be present, to you know, essentially, hey, I'm here. It'll all be okay. Um, we'll we'll manage this. We'll mm-hmm. get through it. Um, because I think students can in in that that example, and there are others. You know, um, they need to get back to the status quo. They need to get you know back in a routine. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't get stuck, um, and and that's. You know that can be um, tragic almost for adolescents. So, so it's so important that we get them back on track and and identify students who who need more support. Mm-hmm. And and so yeah, being out in the corridors and getting a, a feel. There's no other way to get a feel for it. You know, mm-hmm. other than getting out as principal, right? It, you know. People are a little, a little standoffish. Yeah, yeah. I don't blame them. I'm the same way. <laughs> um, uh, and that's another thing. Is in that's why you want to be in their territory, you know. So whether it's a calf or a library, you want to be in a place where they're more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so, you know, I say my 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 with with faculty, it's. Give, try to get them the sports they need, things that's going to make them a better teacher. Mm-hmm. And with students, it, it's much more in, in those times um, to be uh, supportive, to be seen, to be um, to to have a, a little bit, as I said, a little bit of interaction with the principal. I know there's 1,500 kids. It's not sure. going to, you know, but. Um. Yeah, I, I yeah I like that. Yeah, I, yeah. Okay, I gotcha. So I have I have two final questions. Okay. My first question is, um, if you were going to leave a letter for your successor, yeah, with some advice, yeah, what would you put in that letter? You, you're going to learn a lot about yourself. You know, take advantage of that. You know. Um, uh, you know, I, I've found it to be um, every day I, I learn more about people and about myself and their interactions. And um, it's a great gift. And so take advantage of that. It's not always, it's not always easy, right? You're dealing with a lot of variables, like I said. And, yeah. You know, but... But take the time, prioritize, right? It's it's very easy to get caught up in the tasks that have to be done um, because they got to be done, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it's it, it's essential that you, you you're out talking to people, that you're getting the pulse of the school, that you're spending that time getting into classrooms, seeing what's going on, validating the good, questioning the what's not what's not as effective. Hmm. Um, yeah. Don't forget the human side. And you know, and that and and assume assume the best. Everybody, you know, faculty, parents, coaches, they all want what's best. Um, uh, we just have to figure out how to get there, 
Right. There are many roads to heaven. <laughs> um, what's next for you? Uh, once you step down, what, what, what are you looking say, forward to? Yeah, about Ten minutes ago. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> What's um, next for you and your family? Well, um, um, take a sabbatical at the end of this year. Um, I'd like to retool to go back and teach for my last couple of years. Uh, I'd like to go back in the classroom. Um, so that's the plan. I'm very grateful. Um, for this exper experience, it's really, you know, to quote Lou Gehrig, you know, the luckiest guy in the world, you know, it's been, um, yeah, yeah, that's it. So I hope to finish up in the classroom where I started, you know, when you got into education. Yeah. That's why you got in, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, a couple of years like that. Hopefully, I can still do it. I'm sure you can. Um, so looking looking forward to it. Gotcha. You know, I got a lot of catching up to do. It'll <laughs> be great. Hey, it's been a real pleasure. No, I w and I wanted to say to the extent that I can um, extend express the gratitude of the alumni community. I just wanted to say thank you for everything you've done for the school and for all of us. Oh. Um, you've been an incredible presence and an incredible leader of the school and um, an incredible teacher. So I just wanted to say thank you for everything. Oh, you're very kind. You're very kind. Thank you. Thank you. That does it for this episode of Back to the Point. Thank you so much to Mr. Hughes for taking time out to sit down with me. And again, as I said on the podcast, uh, Mr. Hughes, if you're listening, thank you for everything you've done for the school and all the students you've come in contact with. Um, uh, Thank you to Kristen Brophy for being an incredible sound editor. And thank you to all of you for listening. Um, as always, much appreciated. As I mentioned uh, at the beginning of this podcast, we have another one coming out on Tuesday with Tucker Antico, who uh, chases tornadoes uh, during his summer vacations. And I'm not kidding about that. That's actually what he does. He chases tornadoes in the Midwest. Um, and we talked about we talked about that. We talked about a lot about other stuff. So, you have that to look forward to. All right, that doesn't. See you later.